Welcome, friends. Uh, Mike Ninomia in Denver, Colorado, and this is our ancient podcast, Heart of the Circle. Today, I have with us uh, World Slovakia Challenge women's participant and also the Peruvian lightweight men's champion from Peru. This is Laura Marsh. Welcome, Laura. Um, hi, everyone. Nice to meet you. Um, so so uh, let's see what you're in Peru right now, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you're originally from Montana? Yeah, I'm from Helena, Montana, but I've been living in Peru for the last five years. Wow, five years. And you were a hockey player, huh? Yeah, I played hockey informally in Montana and then a little at university as well. Cool. Did you see any um, anything similar with Enshin and hockey or anything? Um, I think a lot of the like things about balance and explosivity, um, knowing how to manage your body, um, changing directions, and I think a lot of like quick responses to things coming at you um, and just the competitive nature of playing games. What position did you play? Um, I mostly did defense. Oh, okay, me too. Cool. Yeah, I think the um, there's a finesse and power, and I think that's really. I, I noticed. I used to play, so I was. Um, yeah, that's that's really cool, and and the balance. Yeah, definitely. Um, and you're teaching English. Yeah, so I work here at a university. Um, I'm a professor. I teach English and education usually, and I run the language department here. Wow, that's tremendous. Um, how long have you been doing Enchin? I've been doing Enchin for a little over three years now. Great. I think we met um, kind of when you first started, maybe, or maybe not. But um, I remember you came to our um, retreat down in Costa Rica. And um, yeah, I was really um, delighted to meet you and, and just to see your um, progress in Enchin. And that was really the you know, the goal of this podcast is to reach out to different parts of our community and check in and, and see how um, things are going in those places and see how you're doing and, and share in terms of your leadership. Um, so, yeah, what did, I guess, what was your recollections of, of Costa Rica or um, your, where's your progress and where do you see yeah. Um, so I think the first time I met you in Costa Rica, I think was 2017. And it was right at the end of my first year in Enshin. Um, and it was really the first time I had any sort of connection with Enshin outside of my own dojo in Peru. Um, so I think it was a really good experience to like open my eyes and meet people from the greater Enshin community and also like, get a, a little more into the spirit and ideals and theory behind it um, instead of just seeing it as a sport or part of my daily routine um, and then yeah I think after that was when I started really wanting to, to focus on participating in the Sabaki challenge in the future um, and when I went back to Costa Rica the next year um, sort of continued with that development. Nice. Um, 
And what what do you what do you, what brings you attraction to Enshin? What 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 do you see appealing about it? And what what do you see valuable in terms of what it offers? Yeah. Um, so I think like over the years, like ever ever since this when I started in Enshin, I saw its value like more of in a in the physical sense, um, the practicality of being able to use an opponent's force against them, read your opponent, um, use Savaki to neutralize them. And then I think over the years, more than anything, I began to see its like spiritual and emotional use as well, or I'm not sure spiritual is the right word, but um, in terms of all aspects of life, um, mm-hmm. having to deal with people from, I'll say people with all different types of mindsets, um, not only about training, but also about their like worldviews and learning to appreciate that um, and sort of use everyone's strongest points to become better as a community and also wow. to adapt to different situations that you're not used to or things changing um, and learning to sort of deal with that uncertainty in a positive way. Well, it's a great observation, uncertainty and finding the positive one. Um, How have you seen, um, I mean, it was really cool because right when we started to do the online classes, I noticed um, you really stepped up in terms of your um, leadership and 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 connecting outside again of of your your dojo and I was really um, impressed by uh, by how you stepped up like that and what have you noticed um, in terms of the what's happening now in the world and in particular in Peru um, and your dojo so it's like almost the the big macrocosm and the country and then your your community how does what have you noticed? Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think like for me, when I when so the the day that the Savaki challenge was canceled, um, which was what I've been working towards for a while, was the same day that they announced that Peru was shutting down its borders. The next day, they announced a two week complete quarantine, and then over the following weeks, they kept extending and making the measures more more strict and just a few days after that was when you guys announced your, your virtual classes. Um, and it, I think I saw it as an opportunity to put myself into something productive um, when everything else was sort of changing and falling apart a little. And when I participated in and saw everyone from around the world coming together to keep training, um, I realized it was something that could benefit especially the the people here in Peru who really can't leave their houses you can't even go to the park or go for a walk outside um and also a way to keep our community together because we'd have been having some growth especially in the the younger students um in the high school students especially who just took their belt test and were excited to keep training and then all of this happened um and I didn't want it to sort of be an end or a pause in their training and for them to lose interest or a connection. And so that's why we ended up starting 
our program in Peru as well of virtual classes. Um, and I think more than anything, it's helped to, a lot of people I think see this period where we're all sort of on house arrest as just trying to like get through it or survive or wait until it's over and we can go back to our normal lives. Um, but I think keeping the community alive in Enchin has helped us to see it as like, we're also moving forward in different ways. And so it's not just mm -hmm. getting through it. It's like, how can we make the most of it um, and continue with our development? We can focus on technique. We can focus on learning about other skills, other martial arts. Um, we can connect with people internationally who usually I wouldn't be able to go to class with you, Sensei Jota, Sensei Kuichi every week. Um, but now I have that opportunity. Um, so I think it's been important to keep the mindset of it's not just getting through it. Um, it's like finding out how we can make the most of it. Yeah, I love that. That's a really um, profound, like, warrior mindset you know it's it's such a good um role model i think everyone has in peru to look up to you and and um i would like to, i mean you're a, a humble warrior and to to talk a little bit about what happened um you recently um won the men's division in peru um and i was really uh, super proud and, and really um, inspired on a, on a very deep level. Um, what could you share? What, what feels, <laughs> what could you say about that and yeah. anything, reflections and whatever? Yeah. Um, so that was a tournament that, that we put on with our dojo here in, in Lima, um, mostly just with people from dojo. And Honestly, I was seeing it sort of as a, uh, more as a preparation for the Sawaki challenge. And basically here, I'm, there's not really other women for me to train with at a competitive level um, or to fight with in a tournament. And so I always become used to just training with the, the men who are around my same weight. And at the start of my training that I don't know, I had some problems trying to get them to be able to see me as an equal and train with me on an equal level and not, for example, um, treat me differently because of my gender or train less hard or not accept me in the tournaments. Um, so last year, no, two years ago, a year and a half ago, I actually fought in our South American tournament in the men's lightweight division um, and made it to semifinals in that one. And that was the first time that I had fought in a tournament with the men. And so there were obviously some questions um, before that. And Sensei Fernando and Shihan Nakano um, supported me in allowing me to fight in that category. And after that tournament, I think everyone who was doubting sort of took it more normally, like they saw that it could be done. And if everyone's at the same level, there's no reason not to. So this time around, I sort of forgot that it was a big deal or that it's not <laughs> in other places. Yeah. Um, so I was just training with the, who are usually my normal training companions. Um, and they were helping me prepare for the Sawaki every class. Um, we will always do the commutes together. And then after, after the fight in the tournament, when I, ended up winning after fighting with all of them. Um, 
sort of because of Facebook and other social media, um, people heard about it and started making comments about, wow, um, how cool the first time the woman has fought in the men's division and won. And it sort of brought me back to reality that it's not something normal um, and that it took years for me to, for me working with my, my training partners and their open-mindedness and the open-mindedness of Shihan and Sensei Fernando um, to get to that point. And so that sort of, once I realized that, um, it sort of made me more determined to continue in the future. So I've been training to fight in the, the women's Savaki um, division, um, but that doesn't mean I want to see myself limited to just the women's division in the future. Um, sort of trying to, to set an example of how these divisions can maybe slowly change over time, obviously with the willingness of everyone involved. And also as women, we have to hold ourselves to the same standards as men and the men have to be willing to accept that. So sort of a process that I hope to continue. Yeah, I, re I really respect that. And I, I remembered um, talking to um, Sensei Fernando about it and I was saying how um, open-minded he was for the next generation um, to provide that kind of outlet for people um, when there's not like, there's not maybe an opportunity or it's the mindset of what we can do and not what we can't do um, based on divisions or limitations. So I'm a big fan of, um, you know, surpassing limitations and, and, and stuff like that in, in the spirit of growth. Um, and like you said, if that kind of everyone on the same page, but um, yeah, I, I really, I was, I was very moved by that. So thank you for, you know, doing what you do. But, yeah. But um, yeah, what is, did you notice, do you notice anything in the next generation? The, the, I noticed there was a couple of um, young girls in the classes and um, yeah. What have, what's that kind of been like? And yeah. Um, so I think, like, I think there, we're seeing changes, especially in the, the kids, the adolescents, at least in terms of, like, more women and girls being interested in joining um, and wanting to train. Um, we definitely still see, for example, the, the other day, well, not the other day, but when we were back in the dojo, um, training with girls and one of them mention something about oh but my dad says I shouldn't be fighting with boys um and things like that where people are still getting societal ideas about how their genders should have different roles or maybe not be put in competition on an equal basis um but I think them being able to see um a woman senpai fighting with the men teaching classes as well um I think slowly they're going to be able to to see that it's possible and hopefully that'll motivate them to work as well and yeah many of the the women who are in the the adult classes for example now um they come to the fighters trainings um oh they cool work very hard so i think little by little hopefully we're going in the right direction yeah yeah i love that initiation that you have and um you know just kind of putting it out there 
I remember it, uh, I did like a podcast with my mom maybe a year or two back and we were talking about, um, this is back in the early 70s and um, it was very different back then even in the like public schools. Um, they, they didn't give scholarships to women and you know it was very different and my mom was one of my first teachers so that was for me to um, I guess to, to experience that firsthand you know growing up that that really helped I think my mindset to you know I didn't really see anything different and I just saw like okay the person's um, will to succeed the will to um empower someone is is really intangible um that goes beyond like a barrier so mm -hmm. yeah i think just um you know kind of connecting those those dots and the people that are pioneers like yourself in in your country is um it's such a profound and and um it's a challenge in and of itself you know so i think um i again honor honor that challenge and I hope more people get inspired um, in different ways and it doesn't not even need to be talking about gender but I think in just different we're all limited in yeah, different yeah. ways we're limited right now and I think what Enshin has always taught me is as, just like a heart circulates blood and it's the ruler like if your heart stops working then all of the other organs will stop stop to function it's this connectivity that we have to potential and moving and and doing something of purpose versus not doing it and collapsing like you know i think if you if for instance if you like cut your arm and then your heart's like oh no i'm gonna stop pumping blood like that would be really bad so it's mm -hmm. like you, you it kind of does bleed out but it's it has an intelligence with it and it, the heart will just keep going in, in that regard so um yeah so i think enshin is heart of the circle and for me that was you know i kind of resonated with it in terms of a philosophical um level so um anything else in closing i think We've had a really cool, thank you for your time. Yeah, thank you. And yeah, I think just I'm very grateful the, for the whole engine community and how they're, they're facing these times um, because I've seen in other sectors, other sports, other contact sports, um, people sort of seeing this as sort of a, a shutdown to their activities and not really seeing how to go on. But I feel like in the engine community and in general, everyone's taking it as, as a challenge um, yeah. and they're adapting however they can and staying together as a community. So I really appreciate that. Awesome. Well, thank you for being part of that collective and um, for sharing, for assisting teaching and um, teaching out in, in, your, in your area. So um, thank you, Lada, for your time. Thank you. All right. Um, so friends, up next, we'll be interviewing uh, Shihan Judd Reed from Australia. So I hope you guys can uh, stay tuned. He is uh, from Kyokushin, but he's a very open-minded 
um, leader and a, a legend in Kyokushin. He was an Uchideshi. He did the 100 men kumite. So if you guys have any um, questions or comments for uh, Senpai Laura in Peru or for um, the upcoming interview with Shihan Judd Reed uh, from Australia, please put it in the comments below. And I'd love to um, see, see more interaction and more connection um, towards more positive mindsets. So thank you, everyone. Thank you, Laura. Thank you, us.